Hello and welcome to Weeb Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hey Bobby, what's up? I'm really excited about this one because in our episode 5, we mentioned how this was one of the first anime animes we ever seen, so kind of excited about this one. I am too. Today, we are going to be discussing Naruto, but it's going to be more of an ongoing series just because there is so much that goes on. So we are going to dissect Naruto in its separate arcs, starting with the Land of Waves. And as always, spoilers ahead. Yeah, so since this is the first episode regarding Naruto, I'll discuss some information regarding the anime and manga. So, Naruto was written and illustrated by Masashi Kishimoto. The manga was first published in Shonen Jump on September 21st of 1999. So, it's, it's 21 years old. And it concluded on November 10th of 2014, so only about six years ago. With a very successful 15-year run, it ended with a complete total of 72 manga volumes and it sold over 250 million copies worldwide. The anime was first aired on October 3rd of 2002, and the final episode aired on February 7th, or sorry, February 8th of 2007. Now, this is only covering the first part of the Naruto series known as Naruto. There's a whole other section called Shippuden, which we will talk about in the future. Naruto covers the first 27 volumes of the Naruto manga. The second part, known as Shippuden, as I said already, covers the remaining chapters of the manga. Kishimoto said that he was always drawn towards manga, so much so that he did very poorly in school. But once he attended art school, he started to become well-known, and he won an award for a manga he created called Karakuri, which, if you do an image search of Katakuri Kishimoto, you will probably see a little bit of similarities to Naruto. I don't know the whole storyline of Katakuri. I couldn't really find a whole lot about it. But the cover art, the people on the cover, have a vague resemblance to the Uchiha clan and their clothing. And I just thought that was kind of a cool vibe. And then in 1997... Kishimoto created a one-shot version of Naruto, which was slightly different than today's story. The character Naruto was actually a shape-shifting fox spirit, but was eventually redesigned into the Naruto we love today. And like we mentioned before, we're going to be discussing the Land of Waves arc. For those who don't really know, this episode will be covering basically episode 1 through 19, which we start to learn more the exposition of Naruto as a whole. So we learn a little bit about the Leaf Village, what ninjas are and what their role is in like society, how they form teams, and then obviously a little bit about our main characters, Naruto, Sakura, and Sasuke. And afterwards, they make their first mission and we'll, we'll dive into that a little more later. Yeah, so Naruto, he is a talentless, mischievous child, and 
In an interview with Kishimoto, he said that Naruto's character kind of just happened. He didn't intentionally draw him from any sort of inspiration. All he knew is that he wanted him to be a mischievous child, and as he was creating him, he kind of turned into Kishimoto from his own childhood. But kind of from an opposite perspective, he, as I stated earlier, he didn't, Kishimoto didn't do well in school, but he didn't really try to improve either. Whereas Naruto is a poor student in school, but he also pushes himself to reach his goals. So Naruto was inspired by Kishimoto himself, but it wasn't really an intentional take on it, and it kind of grew to a form of its own. So one of the first things we were introduced to is the Nine-Tailed Fox, who, is it like over the narration that mm-hmm. they tell us this? Yeah. yeah. So over the narration, we see that this Nine-Tailed Fox is attacking the Leaf Village, but the fourth Hokage, giving up his life to save it, ends up stealing this demon fox inside a child, who we find out later is Naruto Uzumaki. And then, speaking of him being mischievous, one of the first scenes we see him is, is he's running away from these other ninja because he just painted the Hokage statue. That Well, it's not really a statue, it's a mountain carving of all the previous Hokages, and he's running away because he just finished like graffitiing it, painting it, whatever you want to call it, defacing the Hokage's face is, which is like the equivalent of doing that at Mount Rushmore. So you can kind of see the the intensity of what he kind of did. That's a, a big no-no, whether <laughs> you're in Naruto or in real life. But that's when we first get also introduced to Aruka-sensei, who's the one who ends up catching Naruto, and you start to see that Naruto is this like mischievous class clown type character who's trying to do anything he can to warner attention. We also learn, I don't know if it's right away, I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but we also learn that Naruto, besides wanting like attention and all this, we learn that he lives alone in an apartment. And I don't know whose idea it was to put a 12-year-old boy in an apartment by himself with absolutely no supervision. Because you're bound to have a kid graffiti Mount Rushmore if you let him do that. Like, couldn't the Okage, like, assign him a guardian or something? Like, we know Aruka cares about him. But it just, it's never, he just never shows it because he's, like, his teacher and he doesn't want to play favorites. But, like, come on, this kid's parents, like, as far as we know, he has no parents. And he's just sitting at home 24-7, like... And he eats ramen all day. Like, this just spells disaster, and, like, this is a sketchy situation. So that's all I have to say about that. So basically what (laughs) you're saying is he's a college student. Yeah, in a young child's body. (laughs) As we get more introduced to Naruto, we find out that he is, I think it, doesn't it reveal he is an orphan? I th- like, think so. Like, very when, like, early the, on. Yeah, when the third Hokage is actually talking to, like, Aruka, when it kind of gives, like, a flashback of why, like, Aruka kind of does care about Naruto mm-hmm. is because he shows him, like, the house and, like, what he has to deal with. Because Aruka-sensei wasn't really on board with this because... Now, I might be jumping the gun here, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's in this arc or within a few episodes... 
we learned that Aruga's parents actually died during the Ninetale yes. Fox incident. Yeah, you were right, actually. I do remember that we learned, because it was actually later in this episode, the first episode, that Iruka Iruka has a like a another subordinating teacher with him and I'm jumping the gun again but Naruto is tricked into stealing a scroll and Iruka tries to help Naruto but this other teacher is telling Naruto that everyone hates him because of the nine tails and Iruka's parents actually died so Iruka hates him too but we find out that's not true at all yeah, and so he wasn't on board at first because he's very similar to Naruto in that aspect. He lost his parents, so he became the class clown to get attention. That's kind of why he's also strict with Naruto because a lot of people say this is like in real life as well. If someone's strict on you, that means they haven't given up on you. When they decide to just let you go, that's kind of the moment where they kind of gave up on you. So with Aruka always being strict with Naruto, even though it may seem like a tough love, it's because he hasn't given up on Naruto. He believes in Naruto that he is, there is some good in him. He's not just the demon fox that everyone gives out to be. So as you were mentioning earlier, the other teacher who was Mizuki, yeah. Mizuki ends up going to Naruto because they had this little test to go from Genin to Chunin and he has to do this transformation jutsu. This is where we realize he has like no talent and he fails miserably at creating one when like Aruka goes like, well, everyone else can create four, so he's not going to pass. Well, Mizuki tells Naruto that if he steals this sacred scroll and learns one of the jutsus from it, he automatically passes. And Naruto, wanting to pass this test, he decides to steal it because Mizuki gives him, like, everything he needs to, like, win the go when there's no guards and sneak in and grab this. And obviously, I don't know, I forget what the significance of this, like, scroll is. It it's like a secret scroll that I guess has like all the secret jutsus or something yeah, on like it. The forbidden ones. Yeah, and everyone's worried that he's going to learn some kind of forbidden jutsu with the power of the nine-tailed fox, and like another incident where they he destroys the leaf village. Yeah, and I just want to say two things. One, you mentioned that this was an exam from getting to tuning, and I think this was actually just an exam for academy students be- to become getting. Because they have to learn the clone jutsu, and then they'll become a Genning, and then eventually they'll be able to take the tuning exam. So, that was just a, a little thing. Oh, yeah, because they're, they're basically academy students mm-hmm. right now. They're not Genning yet. Right. And the other thing I want to say, how shitty is this, cool, is this school security if a little kid without any jutsu can go and steal this scroll with forbidden jutsu? But That's true. It never really <laughs> tells us, because I don't he think Mizuki actually helps them, because... He's trying to hide the fact that, mm-hmm. like, yeah, he, he wants did to that. steal it from him. So then, we learn that Naruto reads the scroll, and Mizuki wants the scroll from him. And Aruka shows up, and they have this whole little showdown of who cares about who. And Mizuki starts telling him that the reason everyone hates him is because of the fox spirit sealed away inside of him, and that no one will ever love him. And Aruka, Aruka and Naruto are so similar that. He he couldn't hate Naruto, 
So finally, they fight Mizuki, and Naruto actually learns one of the jutsus within this scroll, which is the Shadow Clone Jutsu. And after mastering this jutsu, it allowed Naruto to pass the academy and become a Genin. So, with Naruto now passed, we learn we can now form ninja teams. And Team 7 is the team that we're going to focus on mainly throughout the show, which is a team consist consisting of Naruto Uzumaki, Sakura Harano, and Sasuke Uchiha, who happens to be Naruto's biggest rival. Not to mention his first kiss. <laughs> yes, not to mention his first kiss. <laughs> God, you have to that... watch the episode. You have to watch it to understand that. That's a great episode. But with with the pairing of Team 7, it was kind of created for balance. Sasuke was the highest scoring student in the class, while Naruto was the lowest. But despite being opposites, they're extremely similar. Like, And one of the small similarities that we learn immediately is Naruto is alone. He has no parents. And Sasuke is also completely alone, and he has no family left. So I really enjoyed this contrast between Naruto and Sasuke because they are designed to be polar opposites and rivals. Sasuke is this natural-born talent. He is skilled at almost everything he does, and he's like this very suave guy that gets all the attention of everyone around him. Meanwhile, Naruto has absolutely no natural talent, fails at almost everything he does, and he's klutzy, misbehaving fool that is hated by almost everyone. But on the flip side of this, they were also made to be extremely similar. They both are determined to achieve their goals. They won't let anything get in the way of that. They care about their comrades and just won't let them fail. They also have a similar childhood, like I mentioned. They both are alone, and we'll learn more about Sasuke's in a later arc. But all we know at the moment is he is alone, just like Naruto is. Now to the formation of Team 7... We learned that a Jonin will, I guess, supervise them or be almost their test instructor to see if they will actually pass to become official Genin. And one thing we learned is that Kakashi Hatage will be their chosen instructor, but it's also revealed that he almost never passes anyone in his tests. So that kind of gives you a little like intense suspense feeling mm -hmm. like what's going to happen to them and before we they get into the little showdown he kind of is like all right well let's introduce ourselves and this is where we kind of see their goals naruto is first to declare <laughs> that he's going to be hokage one day and obviously this is significant if you watch any of the series because this is the main like tagline Naruto, I'm going to be a Hokage one day. And yeah. he's like first to do it, first energetic. It's just kind of setting up a lot of their personality and traits right now. Yeah, and don't worry. If you forget that he's going to become Hokage, he will remind you a lot. like At least three times every episode. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes to, is it Sasuke next or Sakura? Uh, I think I it's Sakura next. Yeah, Sakura is this nervous, gitsy girl who is like well what i like 
or Huella, and she, like, stutters, basically, because she has this huge crush on Sasuke, and then she finally goes, I hate Naruto, and he's like, what? All this stuff, and then we finally get to Sasuke, who's this calm, and he's, like, trying to get this, like, badass look with his hands over his mouth, and he goes, I have one goal, and that is to find and kill one per- this specific person. Does he say, like... That he, he killed his entire clan, or does no. he just... He's he, very vague about everything. Yeah, he's he just, just like, says, like, my goal is to kill a certain someone. And then it's like, alright, is that it? Like, you're not gonna elaborate on that sentence? Because that's a pretty bold statement coming from a 12-year-old. Exactly. <laughs> and, like, he doesn't give any information, like, why he does it. He's just like, no, I just had to kill this certain someone. It's and like, he well, says it, like, so mysterious, like, nope. And Kakashi's just like, hmm, alright. Like, there's this a normal thing for him? Just, like, declaring their their hateful vengeance on someone? I feel like at this point, though, because he doesn't really know them as a team, he just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> True. He's just like, okay, well, that was nice. I'm glad you all yeah. shared. And I... So let's uh, <laughs> let's get on to the the test. And I assume Kakashi probably knows what the, who this certain someone is, given how big of an event this is in the village, which we'll, we'll talk about later, but... I'm sure Kakashi knows. He's probably like, yeah, I feel you, dude. So so after this meetup, we fast forward a day to a trial that Kakashi has set up to determine if Team 7 passes. Or if they, or if they pass and move on, or if they fail and return to the, the academy. And like you said, Kakashi fails everybody. I'm pretty sure they mentioned, like, no team has ever passed a Kakashi exam. So, the task at hand is to retrieve two bells from him. And the last person without a bell, since it's a three-man team, the last person without a bell fails. So after hours of struggling to get this bell from Kakashi, he says the trial is over and they all fail. Just like that. Like, yeah, you all fail. The goal was to fight as a team, but they didn't. And Kakashi is the kind of guy... Kakashi's a nice guy. He wants to give them one more chance. But this time, Naruto's tied to a tree... Because through this whole exam, he was, like, he just didn't do well. And then he tries to sneak away and eat lunch without everybody. And he's like, gosh, he's like, yeah, that's kind of shitty of you. You broke the rules. You're not allowed to try. So he he's tied to this tree, and no one's allowed to give him any food. Because if they feed him, they'll all fail. But Sasuke, being this kind-hearted soul that he is... <laughs> Says if they're ever gonna stand a chance, Naruto needs food, so he has energy. And Sakura hates Sasuke. Er, Sakura hates Naruto, <laughs> but loves Sasuke. She's just like, oh, fine, you can have some of my food too. So through this whole thing, Naruto's like, oh, okay, cool. But doing this means that they're gonna fail if Kakashi finds out. And of course, Kakashi finds out because he's not dumb. Kakashi appears before them. And as soon as you think, like, they're about to all fail for feeding Naruto, he says, you passed. And they're all just like, what the fuck? Like, seriously? (laughs) (laughs) So Kakashi tells him, like, yeah, so this was determining, like, if you're going to let a comrade suffer. And letting a comrade suffer would be worse than failing. And Kakashi tells us that those who break rules are considered scum. But those who abandon their friends are even worse than scum. And this is a little bit of a reoccurring thing with Kakashi. Like, this is one of his 
views that are ingrained in his soul that we learn far into the future of why. But Kakashi's a, a rule... He was always a rule, like, follower until we learn about his past. But, like, this is one of the things that he will always stand by is you cannot let your comrade fall. It's his little motto or whatever. His ninja way. That's it. His nindo. Yes. Because if you don't know, does Naruto say his in this arc? I'm, I'm sure he does. His nindo? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Well, if you, in case it doesn't, he will, again, this is just like how he says he's going to be a Hokage. He'll repeatedly say this. His is like, believe it, or like basically believe in me, believe in your comrades. Um, that's his ninja ways. He will always believe in his friends, believe in himself, that they can do anything, basically. The whole... Believe it! If you know anything about Naruto, I'm sure you've heard that catchphrase numerous times. But going over after the test has finally succeeded and they are now officially getting Team 7, they are going to go on their first mission, which turns out to be an escort mission, rank D. Now, these are ranked... Is it just A, B, C, D, or is there an F? No, I believe it goes... So, D's lowest, it goes like... um... D, C, B, A, S being the highest. Oh, S. Yeah, that's right. There's, I was about to say, I know there's five ranks. D is for Genin or Chunin, if I think Chunin would want. Because Chunin can go D and C, then Jonin is B and A, or can Chunin take B as well? I think it kind of just depends on their skill levels. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think I remember in the next arc we're going to cover next time, we learn about Gara, and they talk about how he's gone on, like, B-rank missions, and he's only a Genning. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure when they get this assignment, they tell us the things, because I know Jonin are the only ones able to take, like, S-rank and A-rank, and then I think Chunin... I thought Chunin can take, like, B and C, and then Genning was, like, C and D... I think they can take one rank above them, basically, in order to prove that they're ready to go on to, like, the next one. D rank is just the lowest mission you can get, so it's the easiest. That's why it's handed out to Genin. So their rank, their mission they got is rank D, which is to escort this bridge builder back to the land hidden in the mist, or... No, not hidden in the mist. Some land that's far away, and it's only D rank because they're only expected to meet like highwaymen, thieves, bandits, stuff like something you, I guess, would normally would run into on the highway, like by yourself. So you just hire these Genning to take care of them, and that we find out is uh, they might have bit more <laughs> than they could chew. It's like, yeah, this is a D mission, and then they run in their first guy, and it's like, so that was a fucking lie. <laughs> Uh, Pretty much. Y- yeah, so we, they kind of run into some enemies. And Kakashi mentions, he's like, yo, like, what do you lie about? Because if we knew we were going to run into these people, this would have been like a B-rank mission. And eventually we run into Zabuza, who is a rogue ninja, known as the Demon of the Hidden Mist. And I don't know about you, but Zabuza is one of my favorite naruto villains he is like 
10 episodes of screen time or something, maybe less. But he still somehow claimed, like, the place in my heart of a favorite villain, at least in Naruto. Maybe it's because he's, like, the first villain, I don't know. But he's just a really awesome character, and he's super powerful. Plus, like, at the end of the arc, we learn about, like, his past and his childhood. Or, not necessarily his childhood, but just a little bit about his past and how he's an emotional motionless killing machine but even after all that like he still has some kindness in his heart he's holding on to one person and this unbreakable bond but he's also just like a fucking badass who will just kill people i think he's sweet (laughs) mercenary for hire is probably the best way to describe him he loves Mm -hmm. fighting and he's willing to kill anyone for a price yes it's just so cool (laughs) that's true i kind of wish it sucks that they used him as like the first villain because i feel like he had so much potential Mm -hmm. that he could have easily been like a reoccurring person but i under he does help set up like a lot of information for us yeah it it just sucks because he had so much potential because he when i was like learning more about him he's such a strong ninja mm-hmm. that you don't realize this by the fight because obviously like with any anime they start out semi-weak and then they grow in power as they go mm-hmm. so they're like all right well here's a strong adversary and now fight but obviously because it's like the first villain i feel like they didn't put his power up to par as what he actually is if he was much later i feel like he could have had a lot bigger role and more intense fighting although the first fight is honestly incredible i love Mm -hmm. it yeah i really like that first fight right when zabza comes we notice kakashi feels something's off or he recognizes him from some i think he actually recognized him isn't he, like, in a bingo book? Isn't that one? Most or likely. do we not learn that phrase yet? I'm not sure if we know what the bingo book is yet. He might mention it, though, but he, he knows Zabuza, like, immediately. He know Yeah, he knows Zabuza somehow, like... Because Kakashi's a Jonin, and he's a very good one per that. He's one of, like, the top ninjas in the Leaf Village. So he has access to a lot of information that... We don't understand completely yet, but he does give us tidbits here and there. And one of them is about Zabuza, because as soon as he feels something's off, he uses Shining Gun because he noticed this mist that all of a sudden, like, kind of envelops them. And that's when, like, everything just clicks in his head. And he reveals, because if you don't know, Kakashi always wears, like, his headband over his eye. He takes it off and he reveals that he has a Shining Gun. Which, one, confuses Sasuke, because he's like, yo, the fuck? Only mm-hmm. Uchiha is supposed to have Shining Gun. So now, he's more interested in Kakashi, because he's like, wait, why does he have a Shining Gun? And then we also learn that Kakashi can't really control the Shining Gun that well, that's why he has it covered. But he uses this because he knows that this mist is more than a mist. It's a special technique made by Zabuza to, like, kill people instantly. So, he uses that to try to figure out, like, where he is. And that's when, like, a whole scuffle goes on between Zabuza and Kakashi. Yeah. 
And when Kakashi does reveal the Sharingan, like you said, Sasuke was pretty confused by that. But then he explains to Naruto and Sakura what it is, but really he's just explaining it to us. But it's an ocular-based jutsu, so it's like your eye, and it can see th and anticipate, see through and anticipate taijutsu, ninjutsu, or genjutsu. So basically, it's almost like a foresight. You're able to see your opponent's attack before they happen. Not to mention you can copy them as well. Or as skilled as Kakashi, you can mimic even the chakra control and everything and be able to execute jutsus flawlessly after seeing it one time. So, after that short little scuffle you mentioned, Zabuza actually manages to capture, capture Kakashi in a water jutsu, a water prison jutsu. With Kakashi being captured, there's no way that Team 7 could possibly win this. There are these Genning who are facing a rogue ninja who has killed numerous people who are higher ranked than them. But this battle is when Team 7 actually starts to act like one entity instead of three individual people. This is probably one of my favorite scenes of this arc because they start to act fluidly where Naruto, he, he throws this like large shuriken to Sasuke. And without saying any words, Sasuke already knows like what to do he uses a shadow shuriken technique which he throws two shurikens at once and one is trailing the other similar to a shadow so he uses this against Zabuza who has captured Kakashi and Zabuza is obviously really skilled so he's able to just capture the shuriken like catch the first one but he doesn't realize there's another one trailing it so he has to dodge this shuriken in order to avoid it because he already caught this other one, and he's imprisoning Kakashi. So by doing this, Naruto actually reveals he used the transformation jutsu to disguise himself. And now he's behind Zabuzo, where he throws some kunai at him. Or does he throw shuriken at him? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was a kunai, because okay. it was the knife one. It wasn't mm -hmm. the star. So now Naruto's behind him, and he throws a kunai at Zabuza, where he has no choice but to release Kakashi from this water prison or being risked or risk getting hit by this kunai so now kakashi's free and this was such a sweet scene to me because you see that kakashi essentially loses to zabuza here and this elite joning lost and there's no way these genin could win but naruto and sasuke pull this like duo move out of nowhere and get the upper hand of zabuza based on probably just zabuza's ego because he's like these kids he probably underestimates them because they're just children and by this underestimation he loses his grip on kakashi's prison and now the fight's like ready to go and it's ready this was a good way to like hype up the episode and really get you ready for the rest of the battle and one thing i don't think people realize in this episode going back to what i said earlier about how strong Zabuza really is when he sealed Kakashi in this water prison jutsu he had to keep one hand away in order to keep this water prison activated so he couldn't go so Zabuza was one fighting one-handed two he was using one-handed signs to still use jutsu which even the most skilled people it's hard for them to do <laughs> we just found out a rogue ninja fought off a Jonin, and is now capable of using one-handed science. It just blows my mind of 
not realizing how strong that or what he did actually equates to but looking back on it that's why i said it was such a waste he was he was the perf first villain because of what I, I will go into in just a little bit but it just also sucks at this point because he had so much potential he was such a strong ninja that mm-hmm. he could have been used for a villain way down the line that i think he's better than a lot of other villains that we will see and come by I just feel like it was a little bit of a waste to use him. Yeah. Well, like you said, it was a waste to use him, but they also, like, needed a villain that needed to be super hyped for this first arc because you needed some sort of hook to get people, so I get why they used him and why he was finished off so quickly. But like you said, like he was just so cool and so much potential. If he was one in, like, a villain in Shippuden, he would have been such a sweet villain. And he would have... I feel like he would have been one of those he either could have been one of those villains that take a while i mean he did have some good screen time but he could have been like a reoccurring one as mm-hmm. well but going off of once kakashi gets released kakashi kind of gets a little pissed off and he's like all right now you're about to see the full power of the shine gun and this is where we learn the nickname he's called the copy ninja because as zabza is about to do this I think it's the water dragon jutsu. Kakashi starts doing it, and then he starts freaking out because he's like, "Wait, how are you doing that?" And he goes, "No, you're the copy ninja of the hidden leaf or whatever." And that's when we learn his nickname because the shrine gun also allows you to copy any jutsu you see. And then Zabuza's finally got the tables turned on him, and just when Kakashi was going to deal the final blow. All of a sudden, we see someone else intervene and kills Zabuza right in front of us. And it's this... What what kind of ninja? I know they said, so, like, this ninja's some kind of cleanup ninja, I guess you can say. Because he kills Zabuza and then takes his body away because he doesn't want information leaked using his body to find information about like the land hidden in the mist so mm-hmm. they can use it against them so there's these like cleanup ninja whose only goal is to take their bodies of their like deceased comrades and take them away so the enemy can't learn anything from them yeah i don't remember what their their name was exactly I know Kakashi says it, like, mm-hmm. real quick, and but I completely forget it. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure what the name was, but, yeah. So, at that point, it's like, oh, Zabuza's done. That was quick. Like, this mission's about to be wrapped up really quick. But I love this whole scene with Kakashi using the Sharingan as the copy ninja. Because it kind of shows the potential of the Sharingan. And we know that... The Uchihas are the only ones capable of using it, or should be the only ones capable of using it. So it kind of gives you the sneak peek at what possibly Sasuke is going to unlock in the future. And, like, this only scratches the surface of the Sharingan, and it was, like, really cool to see this. So we later find out, as they're approaching the finish line, or the completion of their mission... Sabza returns. Now, Kakashi had a little bit of a thought that he may have not been dead because the final blow, they used needles, something that he thought was strange. Mm-hmm. 
and his superstitions were correct. But Zabuza also comes back that we find out the other ninja that took him away was Haku, who is actually an ally to Zabuza and was watching the battle and analyzed it and showed him a way to win. So Zabuza used his hidden miss jutsu, whatever you want to call it, that cloaked the whole battlefield in this thick, dense fog. And he also closes his eyes because the Sharingan could see through the mist and potentially locate Zabuza, but with his eyes closed, it almost renders the Sharingan completely useless, which is we find out is a weakness to the Sharingan. So not only did we find the strengths of it, we also found out the weaknesses of it. And so now this battle goes off and Zabuza kind of has the advantage at first because he's using this cloaked field to render the Sharingan useless. But Kakashi is more than just a Sharingan and he's able to hold his own. Meanwhile, while this is happening, Haku is in a battle with Naruto and Sasuke which Sasuke is first to show his shrine gun. His ability is not as quite up to par with Kakashi's right now, but it still shows what he's capable of currently. And we find out Haku uses this ice power. I forget what the jutsu is called, but it puts all these mirrors up and he puts this like dome and he almost proclaims that anyone who's been in here has never survived. This is his like ultimate killing technique. And while the Sharingan can copy Jutsus, it cannot copy, is it called? I think Ke- it's called Keke Genkai. Keke Genkai, which is a unique trait that people are just born with. Keke Genkai, unfortunately, cannot be copied by the Sharingan because it's just like this completely unique skill that only bloodlines have. Like the Byakugan, like the Sharingan, like all this... I don't know, special mm-hmm. jutsus that not everyone has, only certain families have. That's why Sasuke was so shocked when he found out Kakashi had the Sharingan. So, the Sharingan, he can kind of keep track of like fast-moving objects and everything, but he can't copy this ice jutsu that he did. And while they're all fighting, Naruto doesn't have as much stamina, even though he has like the biggest chakra but he doesn't know how to use it properly this is also when we kind of see a little more teamwork built into them other than what we kind of saw earlier because they're always butting heads to each other but it's almost like at the end of the day kind of how you said that they almost always care about their comrades first when it comes down to it they work together and one of the things is because Naruto has this immense chakra pull. Even if he doesn't know how to use it properly, he can still use jutsus repeatedly over and over. And like one of the ways they found out how to break this is Naruto kept using the shadow clones and tried to go and break all the mirrors at once. He tried to attack them, but Haku can just almost instantly teleport between mirrors to attack. But Sasuke sees this with his like shine gun because he can mention it. And he tries to attack him, and that's when they start finally like working together to figure out a way to do this. But eventually, Naruto's chakra runs out, and he like collapses. And right when Haku was about to give like the final blow, 
Sasuke goes and uses his body to protect his fallen comrade. And he goes, now it's up to you to go and defeat him. And honestly, now that I'm getting to that point, do you remember exactly how they got out of this? Yeah. So, since Naruto has fallen, like you mentioned, Haku went to do the final blows. When when Sasuke was stabbed with all these needles, Naruto looks up and sees Sasuke collapse. Assuming he died, Naruto becomes enraged. So, and he has no more chakra left, but this this enraged state that he's in kind of breaks the seal slightly and lets the Ninetales chakra within him seep out. And the, the Ninetale demon, the Ninetale fox, slowly kind of takes over Naruto's body in the slightest bit. And Haku actually notices this and says, normally chakra is invisible to the naked eye, but there's this orange-red chakra flowing around Naruto. And we find out we even see uh, pan over to Kakashi mention like, is is the seal broken? Because he's worrying about Naruto, but he's stuck in this fight with Zabuza. But this chakra and this nine tails gave Naruto this immense power and speed, so Naruto was able to basically attack Haku while Haku was ru- jumping between mirrors, and with such speed he was able to push haku through the mirrors and shatter him and then the jutsu kind of fell on its own like it just kind of dissipated after he broke the mirror with this intense power so from there haku kind of gave up because he believes himself to only be a tool for zabuza and once he lost he said i have no more use for him so like you might as well just kill me and Naruto's like, that's dumb as shit. Like, we're not tools. <laughs> we're, we're ninja. And he has this whole, like, speech about how ninjas aren't meant to be used as tools. We're humans. We fight for our comrades. And Naruto's really good at giving speeches, we learn. After we see the defeated Haku, and he's trying to get... He's almost trying to get Naruto to also kill him, because mm-hmm. he thinks of Naruto now almost as a friend. And... He goes, if I had to die, I, w- I would like it to be by your hands. Like, not by a stranger, but by someone who, like, understands him. Like, who's mm-hmm. treated him not as a tool. And then, right before Naruto finally musters up, like, okay, I'm about to kill this person. He goes in for the, like, final attack. Haku stops him and he goes, I changed my mind. I'm not ready to die just yet. And then we pan over to the mm-hmm. Kakashi and Zabuzo fight. And Zabuzo, like I mentioned earlier, has the advantage because he's taking over the ability, the advantages of the Shangan. So it's almost like a level field. But this also brings out Kakashi. It's like, I'm not just the copy ninja. Like, that's not only who I am. He throws this scroll down that... I forget... It was some kind of, what is it, summoning mm-hmm. scroll? Yeah. And it summons these, this, like, squad, <laughs> I guess you can call it, of these dogs. And they all sniff Zabuza out because 
It doesn't matter if they can't see him. They're dogs. They can find him by a scent. So now he has them, and he goes, this is when we also learn of this new jutsu where Kakashi's like, I don't have to see to use this. This is an original jutsu I came up with. And he starts getting this lightning on his hand, and he calls it Chidori, which is just like lightning blade, I think, in English. Mm-hmm. And he's going to use this Chidori to kill Zabuza. And right as he gets to Zabuza, Haku flashes like right in front of him and takes the blow. And Kakashi ends up killing Haku instead of Zabuza. And then there's like this emotional... I don't even know what you want to call it, but like Zabuza watches Haku die. And at first it looks like he's unfazed by it because Zabuza's like, Haku, you're great. Thanks for helping me kill Kakashi. Mm -hmm. And he goes to like swing his sword that would have sliced both Kakashi and Haku in half. Yeah. And so, like you said, He's, he's trying to use... He basically doesn't... Uh, pretends he doesn't care about Haku. And then eventually, shortly after this, the man that hired Zabuza to kill the person that they were escorting for this whole entire arc shows up, and he fires him. He's like, yeah, Zabuza, I was planning to betray you anyway. Like, I don't really need you. And then he kicks Haku's body. And this kind of pisses Zabuza off like despite him saying he doesn't care about Haku we learn that he really does care and he I believe he sheds some tears for Haku at this moment during the fight with them Kakashi made Zabuza's arms incapacitated basically he can't use his arms but Zabuza's like I'm killing this dude for like desecrating Haku's body so he's like Naruto like can I borrow your kunai and he takes the kunai in his mouth, and he just goes to town on these mob members, I guess. That's what they are. And he basically says, like, I'm going to die with Haku. And he has this whole emotional thing about how he raised Haku and stuff like this. And eventually, he kills the mob boss and the people around and he lays down next to Haku and says he wishes that he goes to the same place when he dies. And then he passes away. I think I thought that once he goes through like the mob, he's like slicing. He killed like a couple people. But mm-hmm. when he gets there, he that's when he proclaims he goes the whole I'm, I'm going to go with Haku, but unfortunately I'm not going to go where he is. Me and you don't deserve that kind of place. But hell, or whatever, he goes, I think that would be a perfect place for me, the demon of the mist. Mm -hmm. I don't know about how well you will do, but I think I'll fit right in. And then he goes and he kills the mob boss while he's being like stabbed in the back with Mm -hmm. like all these weapons from these mob guys. And like, he's not dying and that's when he asks Naruto one last favor, like, hey, can you move? It was either Naruto or Kakashi, one of the two. He asks, hey, can you bring me to Haku's body? Yep. I want to give him, I want to say, like, my last wishes. Yeah, you're right. I got that kind of 
kind of mixed up. Yeah, and eventually he dies right next to Haku, where he wanted to die. And the arc kind of ends with their two graves, and Zabuza's sword stabbed behind them as a gravestone. And these graves were dug by Team 7, where they buried them and laid them to rest and everything. And they return home and finish out their mission. But this arc, it kind of just scrapes the surface of many aspects of the show that will be shown in the future. It scrapes the surface of the Sharingan's potential and what it's capable of, and also its weaknesses and stuff like that. And we will definitely be seeing more of that in the future in its development. As you mentioned earlier, like this arc, that's why I both love and hate that they use Zabuza for this. Because Zabuza was this strong ninja. And they show kind of like a lot of personality traits and almost sets up everything how they're going to battle throughout mm -hmm. this show. So that's why... I get why they use Zabuza for this because he is a very talented ninja and he did push them to the limits, not only Kakashi, but the Genin as well. And it just sucks because, like you mentioned earlier, he's only in here for like 10 episodes, but he's a, he's one of those villains you can't hate. Mm -hmm. He even has a small redemption. Yeah. Not, not much as in, like, he becomes a good guy, but the redemption between him and Haku, like, he's... All this time, you kind of think of him almost as a monster. But at the very end of life, when you finally see like the true nature of people, you learn that even though everything happened, to him at least with Haku, he cared for this boy, this ninja he picked up. And he it was not necessarily like a father-son relationship, but he definitely cared for Haku. And you saw that. And as you mentioned earlier, like, with the shine gun it showed the strengths of it when kakashi won the, the first battle using the copy mm -hmm. aspect of the shine gun but then it also showed the weaknesses of when zabuza used the mist and closed his eyes and he was like oh what are you going to do but then it also showed kakashi's not only the copy ninja he does have his own set of skills as well they didn't just write him off as oh he, his only strong point is the Shanga. No, he had the skills to do the, more than just be the copy ninja. Mm -hmm. It showed Naruto with like the Ninetale Fox, something that's going to be a constant reoccurring thing of when his emotions get too high, how it released the chakra and all this stuff about like what the Ninetale Fox was. Because obviously Kakashi knows something because he's right. like, he saw the seal, like, be broken. And he got it, worried about it and everything, yeah. And then we learned about Keke Genkai, that there are some stuff that the Sharingan can't copy. There was just, like, so much information, and they didn't just kind of just give it out to you in this boring way. They had this intense fight scene and all this stuff, so it wasn't boring to watch. You were, if you watch this, for me... This was when I was watching it on YouTube, as I mentioned earlier on how we got into anime and gaming, how I was watching this on YouTube, part one, part two, part three, and there were certain times where like, the parts were cut up to even on cliffhangers on that part, and I just constantly wanted to watch more and more because this fight was so intense, but they made it so informational without it feeling like they purposely 
did it like this so you'd get information. It wasn't boring in any aspect. Right. And like you mentioned, they Kakashi had his Chidori, so he has original things. And the Chidori will keep appearing in future arcs and future episodes. We didn't mention it, but they had like a little training session on this arc where they were climbing trees using chakra through the soles of their feet. And this is also a little bit of a insight into the tenacious nature of Sasuke and Naruto. Like, they're competitive. They push to reach the top of the tree even when they couldn't get it right. And Naruto was always lacking behind Sasuke. Sasuke got it before him. But Naruto pushed through and he got to the top of the tree even if it took him all night. But then we also look at how Sakura got it on her first try. And that's a little bit of a foreshadow, I think, to the skills that Sakura has in the future. Uh, I won't go into too much detail about that, but she becomes kind of a support where she needs fine chakra control and it's a little foreshadow to that. Along with, like you said, we learn about Keke Genkai and that becomes larger in the future. And we just have all these little bits of, bits and pieces, like you said, that are just thrown at us, but like they're thrown at us in a very meticulous way where it's not forced on us we just kind of learn it and i really like that it's definitely better than a lot of other stuff that kind of just throw things in there for the sake of plot like for the exposition mm-hmm. like they could have easily have done something for the to explain the shine gun but they're like now nah, we're gonna throw in this ninja that's gonna try to kill them and it showed the reason why they explain the shine gun is because like Sasuke was like, whoa, why do you have it? Mm-hmm. And that lets them explain it in a non-forced way, I guess you could say. Right. And they just did a, a good a good way of, like, for exposition. Yeah. Oh, and another thing about, speaking of, like, Sharingan and Uchiha's, not to give away too much there, but we also learn about, like, the grudges people hold with Sasuke in particular. That's going to be very important in the future. Like, they... I just feel like they throw so much at you, and some of it's so easy to overlook because it's just so well-placed that just looking back at it, you're like, oh, wow, this was mentioned in the first episode of the show, like, or in the first arc. There's just so much, and like you said, it's just, they did it very well. And going off of that, we are going to be wrapping it up here shortly so i would like to leave you guys with the question of the day and that is what is your first impression of team seven as in compatibility wise their strengths their weaknesses is it do you feel it is a balanced team because one thing i also want to point out is at this beginning moment i feel like each one also almost represents each jutsu as in sasuke as you said, it was like a natural born, has natural born talent. And he's probably one of the best at either taijutsu or ninjutsu, I would say. And then Sakura, I think, did she show genjutsu? Or maybe I'm reading too much into that. I don't know. Because I, I feel like remember. she used genjutsu or she knew more of genjutsu than anyone else. And then Naruto with his shadow clones, I don't know if you would consider that the ninjutsu or the taijutsu but like you could easily i feel like almost place 
each one with a specific jutsu. So I think that's a little nice balance wise. Yeah, that I'd never really looked at that, but that's definitely uh, probably something they they looked at when doing this because they did say that they made this the teams for compatibility reasons. So that would make sense if they were associated with each of those. But yeah, I would definitely like to hear from our listeners on what they think of Team Seven and, like you said, like what do they think about your observation about them and maybe what are their own observations and before we get too much off of that we're talking about team seven as of right yes arc one team seven because they change a little bit in the future they (laughs) yeah just a just a wee bit (laughs) some say you wouldn't even recognize them anymore so let's get into some facts before we wrap this up so, Naruto himself credits Haku and Zabuza as people who had great influence on his life and views on the world, like the view of he can never leave a comrade behind. Um, despite his early death and short appearance in the story, Haku has remained a relatively popular character in the story, and he routinely appears in favorite character lists, but has fallen out of the top ten in more recent polls. According to data books, Zabuza has has also completed 191 official missions in total, 4 D rank, 67 C rank, 79 B rank, 29 A, and 12 S rank missions. That's a pretty impressive sheet on him. Well, the fact that he only has like 4 D rank, as in... He only needed that much as, like, a Genie yeah. when he was younger to instantly move up. Yeah. They're like, wow, he's pretty good. Let's just send him out. See what he can do. Well, I think that's all the facts I got for you. So, if you guys have any questions or recommendations for us, please feel free to email us at weebspawn at gmail.com. And feel free to follow us on Twitter and Instagram where you can get updates and facts about the shows that we, and episodes we release. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'm Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we will see you guys next time when we weeb spawn.